Coming to you from New York City. This week and every week, it's the Ben Kissel Show. Um, all right, everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, joined by Mike Coscarelli. Hi, Ben. How are you? I am good. Happy July 4th, Mike. Happy July 4th, Independence Day. America. America. USA all the way. That's what I always say. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever. All right. Today's guest, we're getting out of the comedy realm and into the stunt person world. Our guest today is Natalie Jean. Thanks so much for being here, Natalie. I'm so glad to be here with you on our nation's birthday. Exactly. I think that's what it is. Yeah, July 4th, our nation's day of birth. That's why I'm all covered in blood and I feel like I want to cry. That's perfect. So, That's why, uh, yes. mm-hmm, the world of stunting, the world of being a stunt person, you are a woman. There are not many uh, female stunt uh, performers. What uh, got you into the business? Oh, uh, I, I basically, I come from a dance background, so I was in a, I used to model a lot. What kind of dance are we talking? We got hardcore erotica. Are you working at <laughs> Chubba Chubba Chubba's or were you doing a uh, high class um, ba- ballet style performance? Can't a girl do both? No, they can. No, no. I, uh, I, uh, isn't there, there should be a good strip club out there that just does all nude ballet. That would be perfect. There probably is. Mm. And actually, there's some really great bikini bars, especially on the West Coast, where yeah. the performers are phenomenal dancers. I'll tell you one thing. We're recording out of Two Penn Plaza, which is right near Penn Station. There used to be a bar called Dino's Bikini Bar. <laughs> and Dino's Bikini Bar was a very... Do you remember this place, Mike? I do not. Okay. Um, it was a bar. It was on... Uh, uh, 8th Avenue between 33rd and 32nd, or maybe 32nd and 31st. Nonetheless, I walked in there one day, and it's nothing but Eastern European women, and I attempted to talk to one of them behind the bar, just, you know, being the chatty Kathy that I am. And then she looked at me, and she said, He's watching. I can't talk. He's watching. <laughs> Swear to God. Dino is in the basement watching all of his bikini-clad uh, illegal immigrant, Eastern European, blonde, a little bit chubby, uh, staff work, and he's just like, if you talk, if you talk to the customers, I will murder you and beat you. He, Dino might as well have been called Jigsaw because I have a feeling that as soon as they went down to the basement uh, after their shift ended at Dino's Bikini Bar, they were tied to a radiator and uh, treated like one of Ariel Castro's <laughs> vixens, uh, one of the three there in Cleveland. But anyway, long story short, about <laughs> Dino's, it got shut yeah. down because it was part of a underground uh, human sex trade. It was part of the underground human sex trade, and Dino's is no more, and dare I say, that is for the best. Anyway, so there, you do have those sort of bikini uh, bars there. Well, I would assume I the ones that I you're referencing are- I that they were all of that nature. I would right. assume. I don't know for sure. They could all be that way, but I believe No, that. I don't think they're all that way. Just Dino's, anything with Dino's. If it's, a Dino's, Dino. if it's a Dino's uh, hot dog stand, the person working there doesn't want to be working there, and they are slowly being beat on a regular basis by Dino. Dino is never a good character. If he's a dog, he's a, uh, he's a pit bull type. He's a pit bull type dog. Well, you got Dino from well, the Flintstones, though. No, and Dino he was, was a good Dino. Dino was a good Dino. Yeah, yeah. Good point, Mike. Good, good, valid points. Anyway, so let's uh, go back to well, dancing. Well, just that's good to know, though. So if I don't get booked on any work this summer and I'm forced to dance erotically for money, I will avoid anyone named Dino. Never go with the okay. Dino. Okay, good, good to know. Mm-hmm. Got to learn something today. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I no, I come from a ballet background, but then uh, I mean that's I'm professionally trained in, in that and and some other uh, forms. The uh, the modern and the jazz and the hip hop dancing. Yeah, um, what's your favorite one to dance? You got the ballet, the modern, and then the hip hop. I would assume the hip hop is that's that's uh that, that can translate very very easily into uh, erotica. 
Sure. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's a culmination of skills. If you're going to, going to be a successful erotic dancer, I would I would think it really but is a skilled profession. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I was walking by a uh, a gentleman's club, and they're always called gentlemen's clubs, and I don't know why because it's full of Italians. And <laughs> there was a uh, a sign. It was it was during lunch. It was from I believe it was noon to three p.m. All you can eat sushi off the body. And there was a picture of a woman there, and she had sushi rolls all over her body. And then I guess theoretically you go and you pluck the sushi rolls off of her and then, oh, a nipple. But this is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. I almost got food poisoning just looking at the damn thing. Yeah, there's so many risks there you're running. Mm. I mean, just sushi from a strip club in general is already kind of a dangerous thing to do. Absolutely. I would rather have sushi from a buffet in a New York City deli than from a strip club. They do sell sushi at Dwayne Reed now, so... And you know Hopefully what? Hopefully, it wasn't that sushi they were using. If it was that, if it was that sushi that they were using, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to eat all that sushi off the body. Not even care about the gal one damn bit because I'm here to tell you, Ben Kissel, stamp of approval. I love Dwayne Reed sushi. I can't get enough of this stuff. I've been slamming it down like a like a like a hungry puppy in Africa who just got a brand new rib. I can't get enough of that, and I just get the California roll. No, it's just it's just the generic crab and gua- and uh, avocado. It's the safe roll. It's the safe roll. That's right. Well, okay. it's not real crab, is it? No, I think it's all yeah. imitation. It's all a I bunch of milly vanillies. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch I don't of know what that it's actually made. I don't wonder what that consists of. With Soy. The, the imitation crab. Yeah. Ah, who knows? <laughs> I think it, no. I think it's just a, it's one of those bottom feeder fish that they jam it all together. They paint it oh. red and they call it you know. It's like a hot dog of. Yes, exactly. Uh, So you trained in ballet, and then how did you get from, uh, obviously, with a profession like that, with that training, you have uh, control over your body, you're very in shape. How did you transition from uh, dance to um, being a stunt person? Uh, Well, I was always on stage my most of my uh, earlier life, and then um, one of my modeling agencies, I'm a tall lady, so... uh, How tall are you? I'm 5'10", which is actually short for a model. Especially doing runway, which I did a lot. Mm. But uh, my, one of my agencies started making me do background work when I came to New York. And so I started doing, I was doing a lot of background work and uh, I was a music video girl oh for my. a while. So, What kind of videos did you work on? <laughs> um, let's see, my favorites were probably, uh, I did a New Found Glory video and a 3-6 Mafia video. 3-6 Mafia? Yeah, yeah what it. song was that? It's called Shake My Oh my! Shake my and and he's talking about um, college degree. Yes, he says shake my college degree so to make it. sure it's real. Yes, yes that's yeah. right. Yeah, actually, uh, it's it's all about educating women. Perfect. Um, Perfect. No, yeah, it was actually it's funny. It's a it's like one of the worst videos I've ever seen. Sure. When we had I had to audition as a dancer, mm-hmm. I danced in the video. There's no. Nobody caring about any of the girls in music videos. You're not being. You're not in a union at that point. So right. we were working like 12 hours of dancing, and uh, then at the very end, they grabbed two or three of us to do sort of like fuck me faces into the camera. And mm. and how do you uh, mentally prepare to uh, perform the fuck me face? I mean, as a woman, you just kind of get used to it. You're expected to start doing that uh, right in your teen years. You know, you get you just learn. Yeah, right you around learn. the age of 15. Yeah. You know, that's the healthy time to yeah. uh, to encourage young girls to make the fuck me face for their <laughs> rap videos. Yeah, well, it's kind of how it happens, America. Um, Perfect. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and really, that's a lot of, of what modeling is too. Is sure. that, that that face the duck um, face? Right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. A lot of lip gestures and coy mm-hmm. looks. 
Yeah. Um, so. I was like a, I like a g- gal who can do a good platypus face. Yeah. You know, that's the it's hottest. the best. One. Yeah, really extend those lips. Yeah, you know, like a nice flat bill. Mm-hmm. Um, Why not? So you were working background <laughs> on some music videos. Well, yeah, uh, I was dancing and doing this kind of and uh, those things, and then I was doing background, and I was uh, working on an episode of Law and Order, and I was playing a dancer in the episode, and the stunt coordinator uh, noticed me, I guess, uh, because they were having us just improv and do our own thing yeah and i guess he thought i could move around pretty well and asked if i wanted to start learning how to do stunt work okay and at what point uh did you not did you realize this person might be telling you the truth and not just what the world's creepiest pickup line because they're like oh yeah looks like you can move around pretty well do you want to learn how to do some stunt work like that just sounds absolutely <laughs> terrifying and as a woman who was alone uh who doesn't have family in the city, that must have sort of been an unnerving situation. Well, I've discovered uh, pretty much everything in my life is just consistently terrifying. Mm, good. Uh, I have no protection in my life ever, so I've been very accustomed to that. Anyway, and uh, he did in fact have a job on set, so I knew at least he was earning paychecks good. and potentially could provide me with paychecks as well. And uh, I didn't know. He could have been a complete creep, and that in fact happens regularly in this industry, mm-hmm. including... Stunt people, directors, crew guys, actors, you know. Whoever. Everyone. Every, just everyone. every single person on yeah. a set. Yeah. 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 So what was the stunt that he had, uh, that he wanted you to work on? Well, the way it works really in the stunt community is you typically don't get called into your first job. Sometimes you do. Sometimes if you look like a person and they know you're an athlete or something, right. they, they actually can swoop you up off the internet or the street. They'd be like, you can double this person and you can also ride a BMX bike. Can you please do this? And then that's how you get in. But a lot of people, they come in through sort of the same way I did and you just start having to shadow and watch and like kind of get hazed for a while. Like I cleaned that dude's car out for like two months. You cleaned a man's car out so then yeah. you could become a stunt person. Yeah, I mean, and it was I really, don't see the correlation. Oh, it, there was all, it's like hazing. It's like, it was right. me and a couple other, uh, mostly guys, uh, would just have to sort of do his errands for him and shit. Because it's a really, I didn't know, I mean, it makes sense, but it's a really sought after field. I have guys constantly at me talking, like asking me how they can get into the field. I'm like, I don't know, I just got asked and I walked in. But right. it's hard to do. Is it now, because you are a... Um a woman and you're very attractive and you have the perfect build for being a, a stunt person. Um, were you sort of sought after and uh, when they saw you, I mean, there can't be that many women who can perform on such a high level. Um, well, uh, I'm actually kind of a bad height for a stunt person because everybody's very short, Ben. You know, mm. you and I tower over people often. That's right. I am six feet, industry. seven inches tall, but next to the sky, I look kind of tall. Uh, short. <laughs> look kind of short next to the sky but or a large building. As you're aware, probably, in, in film, guys, not even women, but guys are averaging around 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, yeah, they're all very small. So I can only double a few women, which I don't give a shit about because I much prefer to be a stunt performer and actor. And that's kind of why I'm probably going to end up making all my own movies because there's right. a lot of things that kind of suck about the industry at the moment, I think, uh, that we are working on changing. What's one of the things that really sucks? What's one of the things that bothers you the most right now in the industry? Well, I mean, as far as stunts and women go, there's very few cool things for women to do. And there are much fewer stunt women. Um, a lot of them, too, 
are sort of in the position of being almost expected to just marry a stunt guy and then that's how they get all their work um that's not always true of course but you know if you don't like find your way if you're not doubling one actress all the time Mm -hmm. you don't have a like consistent gig they come swooping in you know like they they kind of want you to it's all cultish and like everything else is it's like that in most scenes and in especially when entertainment right you find like your circle and it's very much like that in the stunt world but i kind of hate how women are treated um most of the time which is sort of like almost like patting you on the head a lot yeah and, like not really letting you do fun stuff or thinking that you can handle things when you maybe can right right um and of course you can you worked on some really great movies you worked on what was it men in black three I did work on a minute black. And that's yeah. the only I only watch the third movie of any franchise, Spider-Man 3. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. It's the best Spider-Man. It's a great Spider-Man. Great Spider-Man. Beverly Hills Cop 3. That's all I'm watching. Part 3s. I love part 3s of things because you get the kinks out in part 1. In part 2, you're like, "Let's do a little bit more discovery and let's have the actors find themselves in part 3." It just all flows. You know, I can it's think all couple, perfect. I can think of a couple twos that are better than threes to me though. Like I, well, I'm making it up. It's always <laughs> it's always the first movie that's the best. But Men in Black Three that that must have been an interesting experience. Did you get to meet Mr. Will Smith? Uh, uh briefly, but a lot yeah. of times I was around his double. Oh, I see. Yeah. So the life of a the life of a stunt double is very very fascinating, because they're on camera all the time. Yeah. But it's just the back of their head. Yeah. So then when they're watching that with their family, they'll be and the family was just like, uh, Bob, you said that you were in this movie and you're like, I'm all over the goddamn movie. <laughs> That's the back of my head. That's the back of my head. There I am flipping. Yeah. That's true. And yeah, if you are if you are a good match for somebody, it's a double. That's pretty much, all. and the the actor likes you. You will follow that actor around. And some of the it's doubles, a whole second gr- uh, career. It, there a um a uh, sort of a subset of of an actor career. A whole nother a whole nother marketplace. Is the is the person who looks like a famous actor? Yeah, and a few of them have actually even gotten surgery and stuff to look like their actor. Wow. Yeah, and uh, you know, a funny one too. I worked on a movie called The Other Guys, and, mm-hmm. which, and that's Will Ferrell and The Rock was yeah. in that, right? And The Rock, yes, The Rock. Uh, now, does he do his own stunts? Don't, a lot of times he does, but I hope so. But he he's. I mean, the dude doesn't want to always do everything now. Like no, stunt work is really fucking hard. Like. It's not just doing something dangerous. It's doing it over and over and over and over. It's very high stress. It's very, you get hurt all the time. People get constantly injured. You get exhausted. If you're the lead actor in a movie, a lot of times you just don't want to deal with that. It's not necessarily because he's out of shape or anything. It's just like, fuck this. I'm making, you know, all the money in the world. I don't need to do all my stunts anymore. And you know what? And And I say, Dwayne Johnson, (laughs) The Rock, never do a stunt. Don't hurt yourself. You're a beautiful man. <laughs> he is a beautiful man. He Mike is. Coscarelli, what do you think? I had a conversation with a gal friend of mine recently uh-huh. about The Rock. I think that he is the dream man. If I was a gal, hell, I'm a guy, and I would still get with The Rock. Yeah, I mean, he's a... Uh, he, he's, he's perfect. A, he's a impressive he's funny. physique. He's impressive, he funny, yeah. funny, charming, yeah. rich. He's very nice. Samoan. He's, kind. he's nice. Right. He's Samoan. I can't beat that. <laughs> oh my well, god! Athlete, I need sushi off. Yep, I need sushi off of his body. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the rock's pretty. He's a total package. He is the total package. Yeah. Well, well, he. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Miles, doubles for him frequently now. But he has a couple doubles. One of them, including his nephew, 
who ended up getting all of his tattoos. So he looks exactly like him. Yeah, he looks really cool. Yeah, he's just the coolest guy <laughs> and ever. He must and that's so how- much. Vagina. I, am I allowed to like be very oh, vulgar? Oh, of course okay. you can be vulgar. <laughs> I didn't know if I should like hold back there. No, definitely. Can de- I say pussy then? Of course All you right. can All say right. it eight Thank times you. in a row if you want to. Maybe I will. All Just right. Throw it in there. That's amazing. That's how much we will say pussy the rock gets. <laughs> that even if a person who just kind of looks like him and gets the same tattoos as he, he, I'm sure he just gets laid. Solely based on the fact that he looks like somebody that these women want to have sex with. I'm sure. Not that that wasn't already enough that he's a stunt person professionally and has a bunch of money and stuff. But now, now he looks like The Rock as well. So, so the That's other cool. guys. Now that was that's obviously a comedy. Men in Black Three was a comedy. You also worked on Noah, yes, um, which was not a comedy. That was a very dra- a, a very dramatic uh, movie. And a lot of the Bible thumpers were upset that they, how dare you take artistic license with our fake story from the fake book <laughs> called the Bible. Um, people were upset with the rock monsters and oh, things the rock like monsters that. Monsters caused so much drama. Yes, people hated the rock monsters. But I can uh, tell them firsthand that they are, in fact, not real. Oh. And they're safe. Oh, very good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So when you were working on the other guys compared to a set like Noah, it, do you feel like there's a difference in uh, comedic stunt performance versus dramatic stunt performance? Is there a different style? or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the case with anything. Um, the tone of the movie really does, you know, play out through the movement and the the tone of the set off screen and everything and Noah was an extremely brutal movie to make yeah. um, the other guys even though we were doing some stuff that was kind of dangerous and I, there, I saw a really bad accident we one of the stunts went really wrong what uh, happened um, there the, you know the I don't know if you've seen the other guys a lot. I did but see it. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Yeah, there, there's a big chase scene at yeah. the beginning. That's basically what I was working on for like several months. We were right. just in different cities and streets and, and stuff it, and it doing lasts, that scene. Right, and it lasts for like 45 seconds yeah. in the movie, and it took months to make. Yes, and diff- and we were in Albany, uh, you know, Coney Island, and all over the place. And uh, there was a scene I don't even think they ended up using where the one van that's in the chase scene flips on its, mm. like a turtle, like on its uh, right. roof. And we were prepping for it the first time. And this happens a lot. that If you're working with explosives or anything with compression – Things go awry. Right. And it just, I'm not even sure if anybody knows why, but it just went off too early and the stunt guys weren't strapped in. People were all just standing around. The whole thing just like, boom, huge explosion. The thing flips. It does the stunt it's supposed to, just not when it was supposed to. And that's very important. You got to do the stunt the when it's supposed to, yeah. Is very important. And fortunately, nobody got too hurt on what it. were some of the injuries though i would assume whiplash and things like that yeah they got knocked around and i think they had to get pulled out i don't think they could work for a couple of days but the guys that that's one of the you know there's been a lot much worse injuries involving explosions and things than they dealt with it was just like one of those things that you remember you know we're all very fragile on set this yeah. is why stun people have to do this and this is something that can happen easily yeah, I mean, I feel like there has to be some regulations put in place. I mean, I'm sure there's so many, but do you feel as if stunt people on a set, are they just sort of like thrown to the wolves and treated as if, well, they're stunt people. They can sort of like what Mick Foley used to do with the WWE, be like, throw him off the top of a cage. It doesn't matter. He's kind of blubbery. He'll be fine. You know? The It really depends on the set. I mean, they're really very different. Uh the stunt coordinator's job is to do as much damage control and as much preparation as humanly possible. But a lot of times, 
like on Noah, we had a huge accident and it really was not the fault of the stunt people, but we were put into the fault of it because we're the ones who are doing the action stuff. Right. And, well, um, let's get uh, let's talk about that Noah accident because that's really intense. But uh, just really quick, going back to the car thing, the flip, what is it, just a compression? It's just like a... Yeah, there's these... I'm not even... I didn't prep that one myself, but usually there are these, these kind of drum things yeah. that... Um, that just do like a controlled explosion. And sometimes there's things that use compressed air. Sometimes, you know, if it needs fire, there's different ways yeah. that, that it goes around. But yeah, it's it's like an explosives person is an explosives person. Like they are very finitely trained to mm-hmm. do that. Just like if you're a rigging person in stunts, you do, you need to go to a rigging person if you need to have rigging happening or people get pulled through, uh, we call them jerk fests where you get like, you know, if there's an explosion, somebody needs to go flying backwards. Yeah. All the stuff that goes in, into rigging or explosions is so delicate that you kind of have to be specialized. So a it. jerk fest is when there's an explosion and then you go flying backwards. Well, a jerk vest. Is oh, what we I wear. thought you said jerk fest. <laughs> did you it hear jerk be. fest? I did. Yeah, it yeah. Can be jerk. Fest. Okay, jerk vest. Yeah. Vest. Yeah, because it's totally different. Yeah. yeah, jerk fest. It is a little different. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So a jerk vest, that yeah. makes a lot more sense. But yeah, if you're using different elements like that that involve equipment and, um, you know, all these different little bits and pieces. Right. A lot of, some people have a specialty like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of people doing uh, one thing but doing it well. Yeah. So on the set of Noah, now who directed this Noah movie? Was Darren that- Aronofsky. Okay. And I worked on Black Swan with him as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And how was Black Swan? I mean, overall, I think it's a much better movie because it's an independent movie and it, he was yeah. able to control the situation. Um, we're, de- we're definitely going to talk about this accident that happened at Noah, but with Black Swan, did you get to uh, do your ballet? And uh... I would have loved to, but uh, Natalie and Mila are both 5'1", oh. so none of the dancers could be over 5'2", 5'3". She's 5'1", She's huh? tiny. Everyone is so damn small. I know. God damn it. First name basis, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that oh, is pretty yeah. cool. Natalie. Tight. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, Mila was very sweet. And I only, I worked much more on Noah than I did on Black Swan. But, um, yeah, she was very sweet. And at the time, I hadn't, didn't understand the entire plot of the movie. And I, I watched Natalie it like was, two times, and I'm still not sure oh, if I understand I mean, the plot I of the movie. I love that movie. I love it, too. I love it. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't know, like, Natalie was being kind of like cold and I thought she was a bitch but I realized she's just playing this very dramatic part in this movie she yeah. didn't really like hang out with people of course that would be kind of counterintuitive but um, yeah it's a great movie uh, and when you say Natalie what's her last name uh, uh, I'm blanking out on it I'm trying to think Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. That's right. Natalie Portman. You know, whenever I hear the name Natalie and uh, when it's in reference to a celebrity I can't help but think of Natalie Imbruglia yeah. Remember her? Mm-hmm. Nan- Natalie. Yeah, yeah, well, think Lying, her. Is that lying naked on the floor? Yeah, she, yeah some guy left her. Yeah. I Heartbreaking. Lo- you, oh, my. It, I love that song. with her or just the name? The sound of her name is very... I don't know what it is. It's just, it's been stuck in my head. If I hear the name Natalie and someone's like, it's a celebrity, I'm like, oh, Imbruglia. Naturally, they're talking about Natalie Imbruglia. She's naked on the floor. She's got, I don't even know what was going on with her. Well, thank you very much, Ben. I thought we were friends. She was sad. <laughs> No, na- no, stop it. Okay, Natalie. No, Natalie Jean. That's taking over. That's, right. that's taking over. And I hope you never get treated like Natalie Imbruglia. It's I not, hope so, too. It's not right. It so is. Natalie Portman, yes, her character in that was very, very cold. So I'm sure that that 
you have to sort of keep that persona off stage, uh, off camera as well. So when the ca- yeah, cameras he, are rolling, you can be on. Yeah, you. I mean, she was losing her mind to that movie. She was. She was going crazy. As Darren likes to do to women and guys too. Yeah. How was that? So you've worked with Darren Anofsky a few times. His yeah. director style, it's very intense. Yeah, he's actually a really nice guy. Yeah. But obviously his movies are really dark. They're like very upsetting movies most right. of the time. Uh, so, yeah, the sets aren't fun and playful really, especially on Noah where uh, they did all of these live action things, which you barely see in the movie. It got completely CG'd over. Mm. Like things tend to do nowadays, but yeah. we were in the forest in Long Island at night for weeks, um, running through the most rain that's ever been used in the history of film. Really? <laughs> yeah. Rain machines, just massive rain machines over us. And, and we were doing all these scenes where we're, you know, we had to run to the, try to get on the arc and then we're getting beaten down by those rock monsters mm-hmm. and we're, you know, yeah, just getting the shit beat out of us for hours and hours. Yeah, 12-hour days or so, just soaking wet in, what, Long Island, you said? Yeah, I mean, Mm. after the commute and everything, it was definitely 12 hours every time. I think sometimes you could we would stay close by, but there are other times we just go back to the city afterwards, and that's a long-ass trip. It is, yeah. Um, But, yeah, it it wasn't... It was just unpleasant in the sense that it was very hard work. Right, right. And it was very cold and very wet. Right, but... Right. It's kind of the nature of, you know, it served the purpose of the story. We were all supposed to be starving and in rags and right. we looked like crap and worked for the shots. Yep. Still the hottest gal in Long Island, though. That's for <laughs> oh, certain. Thanks. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> the most rain ever used in a movie. Yes. Well, that needs to be a new uh, category for the Academy Awards. I think so. The most rain ever in a movie. Isn't that an accomplishment? <laughs> Though they didn't Look really use much of it. They just put digital stuff over top of it yeah what do you think about the cgi i am a big horror movie fan as uh as most people know and cgi can really ruin uh some good horror movies and things like that the good uh, a movie that does it very very well a nice blending of real and cgi was the mist the stephen mm-hmm. king book that was turned into a feature film called the mist they did a very nice job with blending the two what are your thoughts on cgi and how has it affected the um stunt community and your profession uh i i mostly hate it yeah just as a filmmaker and somebody who enjoys movies uh i really think most people use it as a crutch instead of as an accessory or something to highlight they just use it to like cover up things or it usually makes it worse in my opinion but yeah. for some reason uh people just go towards it because they don't want to deal with stuff in practical reality anymore um and it sucks i mean i don't think that a lot of that had to do with dare and i think it was mostly as far as Noah went like that was the studio's decision they they battled a lot on it. Um, one of the reasons I hate, really don't ever want I'm I'm you know hopefully making my first movie soon and I really stand behind independent filmmakers as much as possible. Yeah. And Black Swan was technically independent, so he got a lot more control over it. And there was it was much more his voice, whereas this was just taken over by computers basically. Right. Right. Um, I still am proud of it, and I don't think it's a terrible movie, but I know that he's not even happy with it. Mm. Um. And yeah, it's definitely, I mean, we just did this fight seminar uh, last weekend at this, par- the parkour place we train called Brooklyn Zoo. 
uh, one of the guys who mentors me, who has been my, one of my mentors for years in the stunt community, was running this thing and I was assisting him. And one of the things that we talked about in the seminar of the 40 or so people who showed up for it is that our roles as stunt people has changed drastically in the last 10 years. And the things that you would have had to learn before you don't anymore. So um, like what's something you would have had to learn 10 years ago that is just completely obsolete? Well, I mean, there's just very few things uh, involving stuff that we actually like to do. Uh, if you're going to be doing these massive action scenes, a lot of times you're just in front of a green screen mm -hmm. doing stuff. Um, I would say there's a lot fewer big scenes. Like if you're doing stuff, it's more based around physical fighting and things like that. But if the more massive the scene, the, like, you know, um, uh, trying to like, come like up a Lord with of the Rings battle scene or something yeah, like that. Like you're not you're not really preparing for those in a way that you used to have to do, which I think looks so much better if you've. Uh, I don't think you, I think you said you hadn't seen it yet, Ben, but um, Mad Max was a, a phenomenal movie. And yeah. it's, it's done with real people in real places. There's not very much CG used. Mm -hmm. and even if people don't understand why they like it, it's doing very well because people connect to it. It's like you can mm -hmm. actually watch people be viscerally a part of the situation. Whereas when you're using all digital shit, mm -hmm. it's just, it doesn't. You, you don't connect to it. it. To me, it looks like a video game half the time. Mm. It's kind of a cheap uh, way to make something. And, and, you know, when we were watching the trailers, I was there with two UFC fighters and three stunt people. We were all watching the trailers. and For? Uh, for, like, all these uh, Marvel fucking movies. Oh, yeah. And it was just so embarrassing to look at every single... It could have been one movie. The whole thing. It was the same graphics, the same template, right. the same sound effects, the same CG. It all looks the same. It does. I watched a movie and I went to the movie theaters in Williamsburg, Brooklyn and I love Williamsburg cinema. It's one of my favorite places to sneak whiskey into. <laughs> and they pat you down. But I always say you won't find it on me. I'm six foot seven, you hipster dickhead. Don't even bother. I'm always sneaking in whiskey. You'll never stop me. And I watched this movie and it was called Jurassic World. And it lost all the heart of Jurassic Park because Steven Spielberg wasn't involved. And it was just 100% CGI. It was a glorified commercial for Mercedes uh, Benz, the car company. It was just the same Mercedes shot over and over. Have you seen it yet, Mike? I didn't. I heard it wasn't great, though. It's not that good. Yeah. Um, because the CGI is just so blatant, so over the top, and you can tell everything is shot in front of a green screen. The actors' performances, I think, are a lot worse when it's green screen. Yeah. And nothing, it just doesn't have that real-life um, grittiness to it, and the, the everything about it is just fake. That, and uh, and you can tell. I think yeah. the first Jurassic Park also they didn't have CGI, right? They, had they some just real... used audio and animatronics. They had right? some. It was actually some of the first CG yeah. that was using it as actually still holds up pretty well. Right. It's amazing, but it's used sparingly. Right, right. And it's that's... using as it's used as a complement to yes. their puppets and uh, to the actual animatronics. Uh, yes, and that's where I think a lot of movies, the, the massive studio movies, are just failing, and they're trying so hard to. They're just using marketing and like yeah. templates and formats and things that have, they're trying to like recycle over and over. Right. And it's, it, it's not working. And so the, there's these filmmakers coming out and it's such an exciting time that uh, people are almost reverse engineering things at some right. point. Some people are going forward in technology. 
I personally, along with a lot of other people, filmmakers, want to sort of go back a little bit and mm-hmm. go like, this is the stuff we should be still hanging on to. Totally. It's like a human part of filmmaking. You watch those old Tom Savini, like The Thing, and a whole series of other um, uh, uh, Jason Vor Jason Four, forget what it's called, but it's Jason Four with Jason Voorhees, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Four. It's amazing Tom Savini work. Um, it just it holds up and it looks beautiful, and I love it. Let's go back to Noah briefly. So uh, there was one in- uh, incident that happened in particular that was extremely dangerous when you were filming Noah. There's a lot that was extremely dangerous when we were filming Noah, but that we had an accident actually the first night I was working on it. The first night. Yeah. Mm. Um. For those who have seen that movie, there's basically we all the stunt people are playing um, these like prisoners in this weird internment camp kind of thing. I don't know. It, it's sort of like a post-apocalyptic looking thing where all everybody's pr- they're in prison, okay. a big camp, and so there's like twenty uh, forty between like twenty and forty of us, and then like two hundred background people behind these fences and then we're being kept prisoner by these guys who are on the other side of this big fence who are dressed as guards who are mostly stunt people and in the middle like the middle core of us is where the stunt people are we're against the fence that's holding us back and in the scene we're supposed to be screaming at the guards because we're starving and we're Mm -hmm. trying to like we're almost like becoming cannibals because we don't have any food and they start throwing like deer carcasses at us and Ooh. we're freaking out and the we're trying to get out all of a sudden so a bunch of the stunt people have to get up on this fence and start climbing up it and the way it was rigged was that it was a big long fence probably about 30 feet high and the middle section where we were climbing when we were on it it was rigged to be released and start to fall back basically okay. so it was like you onto know, you guys yeah yeah but yeah. it wasn't supposed to fall it was supposed to go about you know, it's supposed to start tipping mm-hmm. and stop. That's how it was made. So, it, you know, basically, if like there's human weight on the fence, it's being pulled backwards. Right. So we rehearsed it like one time, and it went okay. But then when we called, when they called the first action, you know, it, it's more intense. Things are happening faster when that starts going. When the cameras are rolling. Right. So we're go- we're really getting into the scene when it, and when it comes to the point where we're supposed to start climbing up the fence, um, we start going. Um, I had just barely started to climb. A couple of my friends were much higher up towards the top, and they the release the uh, mechanics that they put into it so that it would start to tip. Right. However, with all of the weight on it and the people underneath it and everything, instead of stopping, it starts to just it snaps and it mm. just starts falling to the ground. And this is a big jagged fence. It's supposed to look like it's damaged so there's spikes sticking out of it and stuff and basically there's like four of us on the fence at the top there's no literally nowhere for you to go like Mm. i was at the bottom i was able to actually roll out of it and and get on the other side but the people on top were just like well i guess we're gonna fall with this thing on our bodies now yeah and so it just starts tipping and the stunt coordinator did something very dumb it was noble but yeah. made no sense. He was just like being a stunt coordinator going, I'll try to stop it. So he slides under trying to stop this massive 30-foot fence mm. from hitting the ground with his body, which of course just crushes him underneath it too. Yeah. And so basically just the thing comes down and flattens on top of three or four stunt people and Crosby, the coordinator. And um, he actually broke his collarbone and ruptured his kidney during that moment in time it actually doubled over him he was on his butt and his head 
basically reached his feet. <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is, like, not going to stop a fence, dude. No. You just got to no, let he, that he, go. He did. It was a valiant thing to do. You're, but, right. But, it, you know, and it's just that snap decision that was a poor one. But he he knew that they were getting so much flack from Paramount and everything, and he knew that if he said anything that they would shut down production and it would be a big shit show. Right. So he did not tell anyone. So he, he didn't tell anybody that he ruptured his, what was a spleen? Uh, it, it was his kidney. He had to kidney? get something removed from him afterwards. Jesus. But he continued, he didn't say a word to anybody, he continued to work the rest of the night with a shattered collarbone and something broken inside of his body and he didn't actually get it really fixed until the entire production was done for the rest of the shoot for a month or two. He was in a fucking sling and played it down. And then right. afterwards basically told us all and he had to go, he got his now as a metal uh, bar in his collarbone mm-hmm. and I'd have something cut out of him and all this shit. It just doesn't seem right though, because if, you know, if, if you were a, um, Let's just go, let's just say The Rock, and this is just using him in this analogy, but if you're the star of the show and you get a splinter, they'll stop production, mm-hmm. they'll have somebody come in, they'll warm up your hand, and they'll pull out the splinter just so it doesn't hurt whatsoever when it happens, uh, when you pull it out. But in this situation, you know, stunt people are just sort of forced to go on and uh, and push through no matter what happened. And that, yeah, that's definitely a, a thing that people do expect from you on set is that... There are times when you're being used as a casualty, you know, and and, and you can't really complain about anything. Yeah. You, you get you can complain about your union rights being violated or something and you get paid more typically for doing things that are dangerous or uncomfortable for a long time, but you're expected to do them. Um and uh yeah, it's like just on Noah, I mean, that's starring uh Russell Crowe and I remember a night when we were <laughs> trying to get a, a shot done where we had me and another sunk guy had to basically pull this rope up right after Russell Crowe runs past it to block everybody else, so it looks like they're hitting a wall mm-hmm. and they're gonna like digitize whatever. So I had to wait until Russell Crowe like got his ankle past the rope and then yank it upwards so that I could stop about 250 people. And the the coordinator he came up to me the first before we did the first take and he said, "If you even touch fucking Russell Crowe, his foot." any part of him with that rope, he's going to get pissed. He's going to walk off set and they're going to shut down the show and it's going to be your fault. Good luck. No, it's going to be Russell Crowe's fault for being a little bitch. I Russell Crowe, I've heard terrible things about this man. And I'll tell you one thing. I watched him. I watched it. I love a, I love good theater. That's what they say about Ben Kizzle. He loves good theater. And I love this one per, uh, theatrical production. It's called Les Miserables. Les Miserables. The Miserables. Les, the, the, the Miserables. miserables. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really great. It's a rock and, it's a rockabilly comedy. <laughs> Les Miserables. Les Mis. And he was uh, he was obviously in the theatrical. Um, they, they made a movie out of it. He can't sing for shit. Yeah, he sucked. He sucked in that movie. And, of course, he's the kind of diva who ironically always plays this tough, burly, strong man. I would assume he's like 5'1 also. He's he's taller. Eh. He's not as short as most of the five guys. 5'7. Sure. Tops. Either way, can't sing at all. He's no rock. He's no Dwayne Johnson. I'll tell you that much. No rock. God damn right. So you didn't touch him and the production could go on because he did. You did. I did not touch him. Okay, good. That's that's great. That would have been. That would have been a nightmare for poor Russell. I know. It would have been just so bad for him. That's great. Um, You've worked on so many things, and your career is only going to uh, continue, and you're doing a lot of amazing stuff. You're working on a movie that you want to um, self-finance, 
and looking for producers and you're going to direct and you're writing it and all those things right now. Um, let's see. Any advice for the uh, if there's if there's a gal out there who wants to get involved in the stunt community, what did you do? How, how did you avoid? Because, you know, we're friends. We've talked a lot before and uh, you could make a lot more money if you did things that uh, were a little bit more questionable. Right. Yeah, uh, this this industry is really great for many reasons, but there's also obviously a lot of tawdry, um, inappropriate things that go on. And as a single woman doing this, it, there are a lot of hurdles that you have to deal with. In when you say no to somebody, let's just say, I don't even know, whatever, some disgusting dude who wants to, you know, take you out and wants to make the relationship less than professional when you say no, have you have you felt as if there was a backlash, or is it okay? I mean, obviously it is okay uh, to say no, but is it? What are some of the ramifications to staying strong? Uh, well, I think I would have at this point I would have had more jobs. Certainly, yeah. I mean, sincerely, um, I've had guys proposition me. I've had them hold jobs over my head if I'll go travel to their house with them for two weeks. Right. Um, and it's it's been a big challenge, really. I almost sometimes I almost just want to wear a wedding ring or tell everyone I'm a lesbian so that it's off the table. Right. Um, because when they see you as somebody who's a woman who's single in this field, there's still so many people who look at it going, well, what's your angle? What's your fucking deal? Like, why aren't you with somebody or. Are you just out here looking for? Are you trying to steal people's husbands? Or I mean, that's sincerely right something that happens. Um, so it's almost beyond comprehension that some a uh, girl could just be wanting to have a career as a stunt person, yeah, or as a f in the film industry, right, 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 uh, in general. Um, so w what I'm trying to do is change those sort of things. So yeah. maybe the next group of chicks doesn't have to deal with that as much. But I mean, it's it's awesome. There's still plenty of awesome dudes. I'm not like a militant feminist chick in that way. I'm a humanist. I love many kinds of people. There are horrible women and horrible men in the world. Right. Um, and I there's a lot of great uh, female directors and stunt people and stuff coming up and lots of great dudes as well. But I want to change the tone of the maybe the old, more old school thought process of, mm -hmm. you know, you can do this if you're willing to become somebody's woman or if right. you are, you know, putting out or whatever. I mean, put out if you want, but yeah. it shouldn't be based around your job, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so I'm working on changing those things. That's one of my goals in this field, in this life. That's great. I love it. Well, if you are a female director out there and you're looking for a six foot seven man, uh, I'll do anything for a role. You know, just let me know. I, I'm I'm looking for love. I haven't been touched in years. It would be wonderful. Um, thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you for being here. It was really wonderful talking with you. And you can find Natalie. She's obviously on Facebook. Natalie Jean J E A N. Yeah. And and then of course on Twitter as well. I'm I'm on Instagram, Twitter, everything mm. you can never. If you want to find me anywhere, if you just look up the Natty Jean. If you Google that, it's like my Instagram, it's my Twitter. You can find my Facebook that way, just T-H-E-N-A-T-T-I-E-J-E-A-N. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and if you're a young lady who wants to get involved in the stunt world, uh, hit up Natalie and, uh, I don't know, whatever. I, I'm going to be making a lot of, and my stuff, be making a lot of cool, fun rules for chicks, so. Awesome. Yeah. 
don't don't be discouraged by things I've said if you want to do this job. There's still plenty of good people, and it's an it's an incredible experience if you can make it work for you. All right, that's great. Uh, Mike, thank you so much, buddy. You're welcome, Mr. Kissel. All right, find Mike on Twitter at Mike Coscarelli. Make sure to listen to his podcast, The Social Villains. And Mike, uh, you're actually starting up a podcast network yourself, right? Yeah, we are. We, uh, we'll have more details as that comes along, but me and Gene Getman uh, are going to yeah. do something uh, hopefully in the next month or two. So hopefully we'll have some some cool stuff for you guys. Awesome. I love it. And, of course, check out the shows that I do on Cave Comedy Radio. Also, Abe Lincoln's Top At Last podcast on the left and the Roundtable of Gentlemen. And you can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel. And I think that's pretty much it. We'll talk to you soon.